Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, now ready for departure. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. There's enough land here to hold all of the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. We call it Epcot. Will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world. The way it was and the way it is in your memories. All right, welcome to episode 28 of the Retro Disney World Podcast. This episode is entitled Whoopin' and Hollerin', and we'll be taking you back to the days of River Country. Uh, I'm your host, Todd McCartney, and with me, as always, is Brian Miles. Greetings from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. How you doing tonight, Brian? I'm basking in the glow of the city of brotherly love. That's right, yeah. Mr. Howe Bowers. Aloha. Aloha, how? You're back from Hawaii, actually. That's right. So it's, that's a real aloha. That's, yeah, it's authentic. Authentic aloha. He's full and, of muesli. <laughs> and, and rum and pog. <laughs> that's right. And at the helm tonight, this is his episode he's been waiting for since the beginning of this podcast, is JT Couser, who will be taking us through River Country. Welcome, JT, as always. Hello, I'm I'm in Ohio, not at Disney on spring break, but it's okay because we can talk about River Country. That's so. right. We've got a lot, to, a lot to talk about tonight. Well, last month we took you back to Spaceship Earth, and uh, I will say that episode came out great, guys. Wouldn't you agree? I think we got a lot of great feedback, and the statistics on it and the number of downloads was huge. But we had we had a couple of corrections and comments uh, from, from last month that we wanted to go through. Uh, one was, a, was a, a mistake that I made. I had mentioned towards the end of the podcast that... Um, the music that you heard when you were uh, crested inside of Spaceship Earth was uh, titled Space. Um, that's that's incorrect. That was Space is actually from Horizons. The, the correct um, piece of music is, is really just an instrumental cut in uh, the, a leader and an um, end piece to uh, Tomorrow's Child. So that's the right, the right thing there. Um, the other thing is that we had somebody write in specifically about uh, the, the Renaissance scene with uh, Michelangelo. Um, Tonga Sixteen wrote in and said, "Isn't Michelangelo left-handed?" And then, sure enough, if you look at it, the uh, audio animatronic figure is right-handed. So, how you you did a bit of digging for this? I did. I didn't. I I did this. There's this wonderful thing called Google, and mm. uh, I very quickly discovered that uh, scholars who studied Michelangelo's uh, drawings uh, looked at the way he did his hatchwork uh, in pencil. And determined that he uh, he was most likely right-handed, but there was no actually no evidence to support him being left-handed. Interesting. Even though he's listed on listed on some other sites as being left-handed, so yep. the mystery remains. Oh, there's something I ought to tell you. Tell me. I'm not left-handed either. The other thing you and I have discussed the tri—I guess we call it triangle things between the cars. That's um, a very fancy technical term. It is a technical term. A spacer cars, maybe. We talked to a couple people who had worked the ride, and um, nobody really has good recollection of what's in those triangles or why they're even there. Um, we think it could be to hold equipment, um, or it could 
be to help balance the ride with the number of people because you are going up and down. You don't want it. You want it to be balanced all the way around. It could be a legal limit. You know, you have to put spacers in there because you don't. You can't have a certain number of people inside the building at a, a certain. You know, at any given time. Um, and also, as hold auxiliary power equipment as we talked about. So we did get a lot of, uh, again, people who had worked on the ride over the past number of years, and um, we're actually going to talk to them and, and start a, a mini-series here on um, on the Retro Disney World podcast. We're going to have some mini-episode uh, entitled How Did It Work, uh, where we're going to talk to people who were, you know, ran attractions in, in different areas of the park and, and get their take on it uh, and set up some mini-episodes. So I think the first one we'll do is... Uh, how did triangles. Spaceship Earth work? Yeah, talk about the triangles and, and space. Earth. <laughs> I thought you were going to say we're going to do many episodes on the triangles. <laughs> we'll sit a there. A bi-monthly series. Yeah, Something's right. in there. You won't believe it. When we get to isosceles, <laughs> it's just going to be amazing. <laughs> so, But JT, this is your episode, but before we even get to your... The details of, of, of River Country, you've got to go out to the, uh, the mailbag here. And uh, what did we have come in this month? Well, um, as always, good flood of mail coming in. Uh, the weather's nice, so it's easy to get out there and check the bag. Um, first one I would like to share. Um, this is from a tweet, I believe, from at Historical Tour WDW. They said, was Mickey secured at the top of Spaceship Earth uh, by a tether for the commercial of him waving? And uh, that was the one, you know, we'd all see on Sunday Night Movies, on the mm -hmm. travel commercials, you know, promoting where Mickey was standing up there waving. Um, is there a door? Was he placed by helicopter? What actually happened? I can answer that. Oh, okay. At uh, D23's Epcot 30 celebration, one of the segments was with uh, former Imagineer Bob Garner who was responsible for uh, filming that particular advertisement with Mickey perched atop Spaceship Earth. <clears throat> and he told us the story that day about the time he almost killed Mickey Mouse. And uh, what he told us was that uh, there is a scissor lift there that takes you up to the hatch. There's a hatch that pops open on the roof right at that point. And uh, this was a, a time in uh, American industry where safety was not always job number one. And uh, they had the idea of filming this ad. And the way that they filmed it was they put Mickey on the scissor lift. They had a rope, a rope tied around his waist, fed down through the pant leg. And uh, Mickey is up there standing atop the scissor list and the open hatch attached by a rope there are two men holding on to his feet there are gusts of wind as you can imagine because you're how tall is that 100 180 feet 80 yeah. feet yeah yeah and uh and he said they have this helicopter flying by flying by this man with a rope around his waist and guys holding on to his feet and they did the pass i think he said something like three or four times they brought the guy down, and he said the only way the ad ever got made, I th I know he got he told us the story. He got a phone call that afternoon from some executive. I would love to say it was Dick Nunes, but I don't know who it was. Uh, who who like what the hell are you doing? And uh, so he he got they got the footage, and they started to run it. And I think his his uh, postscript on on telling us the story was that that particular clip was 
the like the longest running clip that they ever used over the years in a Disney commercial. They just kept reusing it, reusing it, reusing it for years. And I, I do remember, I mean, from the in-resort television to, to commercials to the Disney Channel, I think, uh, JT, where did you see it? The, was it the Sunday night movie? Sunday yeah, night just, movie? you know, always commercials and, you know, visit Disney World, that yep. sort of stuff. Yeah, and uh, the like a lot of other things, one of the reasons they stopped using it uh, is that obviously it was shot in standard definition and once the big maneuver and move to high definition came, uh, they, they, you know, they stopped using all of those older clips that they had. And also uh, in 2000, they put a gigantic 2000 and a wand on top of the oh, spaceship yeah. Earth. So sure, yeah. it, it couldn't really be used anymore. But they used it through most of the 90s. Yep. Now my yep. question is though, it looks like it's closed up. Like, did they close the door underneath him to stand? Because it doesn't look like there's a hole below him or yeah, anything. Yeah, th- that I don't know the answer to. Um, huh. You know, I can I can only re- recount what Bob's story was to us. Um, yeah. And uh, there there is no CGI there or anything though. So no. what you say, it does look it does look closed up. So that you know that the hatch the hatch might have been like down and masked and like a uh, iphone cord through the glove box type exactly thing. exactly that's <laughs> a that, great yeah. an- great modern day analogy for our youngsters out there painting a picture for our listeners yes yeah. so, so there's your answer excellent uh yeah so that's that's a good one for sure every that you, you solved a ma- big mystery um next one was jonathan chapman he says many pictures from the 70s at the magic kingdom seem to have a very small amount of number of children in them you know like there wasn't any kids there was that really the case was it not a, a kid's place to visit what's the reason for that well, I think as we kind of discussed in the earlier, some of our earlier episodes about early Walt Disney World, a, a lot of the um, a lot of the money that they were expecting to come from was through convention business. So uh, the hotels were booked up a lot because of conventions. Uh, at the time, there were also lots and lots of uh, of older people in the area. They expected uh, the park to be enjoyed by a lot of retirees. Uh, and but really, I think the big factor is this is pre cheap air travel, mm-hmm. so it was very expensive to take your family from very far away on an airplane. Uh, you drove uh, up until the point where they built this in Orlando. When when our family went on vacations, uh, my dad did pack the kids in the car and took them down to Fort Lauderdale or Miami Beach if you're going to Florida. So it just hadn't been the big tourist destination yet. And uh, I think that's really the reason why you don't see it in the early ones. Yeah, just so people understand, until the airlines were deregulated in, I think it was 1981, uh, the routes were awarded by the FAA. So, you know, TWA would win the, the, the route between Philadelphia and, uh, and Orlando, and there was no competition. I mean, that was the airline that flew between those two cities. And so they charged like six or seven hundred dollars for a ticket. And uh, and Todd, you remember you 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 told us you have your 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 ticket stubs from that's correct your, your airfare in nineteen eighty and it was at two, about two hundred eighty three dollars in nineteen eighty, which we worked out to something like six hundred dollars six seven hundred dollars yeah. yeah and and that's what we paid in nineteen eighty for that and that was from right. Newark um, to Orlando. So so there there's two factors. One is the airfare. So you, yep. you know it was a major investment for a family uh, to travel, and the second is people just didn't take their kids out of school to go on vacation back Mm -hmm. then so (laughs) so the place was loaded with kids easter week christmas week uh you know and summer vacation 
but the rest of the time it was catch as catch can with you know the the, the clientele they could draw otherwise right i'm going to add into an, another one that it's an observation from all the films that we've restored now when we restore films what you see on our website is really what we've cut out that is the that's the disney stuff and when we purchase these films we get a lot of films that are complete vacations from florida and as how pointed out driving and and we see you know trips all up and down st augustine and marine land and you know sometimes sea world in the later years um but uh one interesting thing about this is that 1971 to 75 were not even 30 years uh to the end of from the end of world war ii um, I know for a fact with my grandparents, you know, at that point in their lives, they had become empty nesters. Um, so the, the, the baby boomers had moved out of the house. And a lot of these films that I'm seeing are a lot of people in their, um, you know, uh, uh, early 60s, um, just about retirement. And they're taking trips. And um, Brian, you've, you've looked at some of the films before sending them to me. And I think you probably concur. A lot of them are are you know, people in their early 60s taking well, these trips down there with, right. without they children. Had, they had a unique experience in that they, their their forefathers, their their parents and grandparents were all dead by the time they hit 60 or 65 years old. They didn't retire <laughs> and go on vacation. They right. worked until the day they died. So, yep. uh, you know, it, it really was that post-war generation was the first that, that uh, could enjoy a retirement and that there were, you know, social security and life savings yes. Yes. and... You know the you know getting into the socioeconomic politics the 40s 50s and 60s was the greatest growth of wealth uh amongst normal people saving money and building wealth through owning their homes and mm -hmm. uh which which made retirement possible it just wasn't something that people you know millionaires retired before nobody else ever retired right right so there definitely is a, a different dynamic and, and a different demographic that that visited back then so you're not you're not seeing things. No, we have not wiped all children out via Photoshop of all films. And that <laughs> and would be crazy photos. if you could do that. Yeah, just uh, this <laughs> kid shouldn't be here. Just scrub that one. So, Jonathan, thanks for writing in. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, it really was the case. There weren't a lot of kids then. Um, JT, what else we got? Well, last one I got uh, is from at Fancy Robot Couch. <laughs> Um, that says, why did Mission to Mars go away? That's what Fancy Robot Couch wants to know. Why did Mission to Mars go away, and why did they change Journey into Imagination? And that's a two-part kind of loaded question there, I think. But um, anybody want to do Mission to Mars? Well, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. I think Howe's itching to say something, too. But um, I, I, have to, I have to plug a film coming up, too, with this. Because so, it d didn't completely go away, right, guys? Um I, I, you know, I'm gonna, my take on it is that as as you may or may not know, Mission to Mars, previous to to that title, was Mission to the Moon, and when moon landing became routine, uh, it wasn't something special anymore. Uh, they decided to change it to Mission Mars and and up the ante a little bit. Um, by the time Mission to Mars closed, uh, what year was that? How? Oh, like ninety four, ninety three, yeah, ninety four. They, they opened it was pretty late. They yeah. opened the other one in ninety five, so ninety five must right. have been ninety four. So you had a number of, of, of much, much more advanced attractions. Um, the uh, It looked hokey by the point. There was really nothing to it anymore. There was no mystique of, of flying. You basically, if you hadn't experienced it, you pretty much sat in a circular room and looked at monitors that quote-unquote simulated space flight. Um, at that time, you had 3D films coming out. The 4D th films were starting to, to come out. 
Um, and I don't think it just, it didn't have the pulling power um, that any other attractions really did. And I think they just knew it had run its, run its course. Um, you know, unique circular rooms. They tried to do what they could with, with the replacements with extraterrestrial and, and now stitches great escape, but it'll be interesting to see what they, what they do for it. Um, how Brian, any other thoughts? Um, I, I would just, you know, it was part of, part of it was the universal effect. Uh, universal was building big, scary rides. And, uh, there was a belief that we needed to create some frightening, you know, or, or thrill aspect to the magic kingdom. Uh, and so they created the extraterrestrial encounter, which mm. then was changed because it was too scary for some people. Right. And if <laughs> I guess if we ever do a mission to Mars episode, I can go into great detail, but one of the interesting things that I discovered uh, in some interviews with uh, Marty Sklar uh, is that it was never intended for Mission to Mars to actually be there. Uh, when they were putting in Flight to the Moon, they knew it was already dated. They were trying to pitch RCA on doing a uh, sort of like a journey into the computer, uh, which RCA didn't sponsor. Uh, and when they repitched, they ended up uh, picking up Space Mountain instead. So they grudgingly put mission to they grudgingly updated it to mission to Mars, uh, and uh, they just it was kind of like a chain around I get their neck I guess for a while and and they had they had been looking to try to update mission to Mars for quite some time there was a really funny story that uh, Bob Rogers told who was the director of Impressions de France and and did a lot of stuff in uh, in uh, World of Motion there was a I guess a charge code that people were put on in uh, WDI and and when he was in between gigs Marty Sklar put him on a job to try to come up with ideas to update Mission to Mars and so he said he was thinking of all kinds of crazy things like having tentacles come into the room uh, and then so he was on that for a while and, and wasn't making much headway and then he got taken off and put on another job and then he went to whoever was his boss at the time and said, oh, but this Mission to Mars thing, I, I don't have it done. And he's like, ah, don't worry about it. That's just a code they set up when they, they need to give somebody a buffer before they have a real job. They just put that in there so they have something to charge against. <laughs> so the, the, the hint I gave, well, how maybe we should do a Mission to Mars episode soon. But we, we have the upper scanner footage. And you guys have seen it, right? We have pretty yes. cool we were able to sync it with the soundtrack so that will be coming mm. out and this um, is actual footage that they used for the illusion of the ride exactly so. this is original the print date was uh, 1989 um and and uh from my understanding and looking at the print it doesn't look like it was ever used on the ride it looks like it was a spare film um that was never used so it's a it's a it's a copy um that would have been put on the ride but it was in fantastic shape um, it's a silent piece, but we added the actual soundtrack to it. So we'll be sharing that out in the coming months. And it's and, and you'll be able to sit in a room, darken it a little bit, uh, turn up the bass. Project it on and, the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. And experience what it would have been like to uh, ride Mission to Mars. And then you'll decide for yourself why it went away. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You let us know. because, Well, the inter- without getting into a lot of detail, the interesting thing is that after I restored it, it's so clear at you know scanned in high def that you realize how some of the, how hokey some of the effects were especially with the spaceships but in the actual attraction with it rear projected on a screen that was what 30 feet above you you never saw the detail it looked you know it looked decent because it was grainy and, and didn't look perfect but it's a totally different experience when you scan it in so but uh 
fancy robot couch uh, thanks for writing in and um they had a second part right why did they change journey into imagination and i think maybe we should leave that question for the actual journey into imagination episode later because this year. because they're stupid that's because, why. <laughs> yeah, exactly this this might be more to it but that's the short answer and we'll we'll get to it later this year so all right jt is it time to close up the mailbag or do we have anything else uh, yeah, so close the mailbag, Todd. If you want to get your message potentially on the air, email us, podcast at retrowdw.com. Tweet us at retrowdw, and uh, we'll be looking for your messages. Thank you. All right. Well, before we get into this month's main topic, which, as we mentioned earlier, is River Country, um, we have the Audio Rewind to do. So let's take a listen to last month's Audio Rewind Puzzler. All right, well, if you guessed Impressions de France opening theme, you are correct. That's the first couple bars of the of the music when the movie starts in the France Pavilion at Epcot. So congratulations uh, to Stephanie Haddon. Congratulations. You'll be receiving this month's prize, uh, which is a set of pins. And uh, and Brian, you've, you've sweetened the pot, actually. You added something in as a surprise here. So she gets the pins and... And uh, a... a- a souvenir uh, photo set that looks like a postcard booklet from the 1964-65 New York World's Fair uh, featuring uh, photos of the Disney attractions and additions to that that was given out to attendees at Destination D in 2014. So that'll be coming to you along with the pins, Stephanie. Nice. Nice. Congratulations, Stephanie. Uh, this month, we'll be giving away a set of pins, and I'm going to throw in some uh, old ephemera and brochures that I've got here. So we've got a nice little packet of uh, different brochures, World of Motion things, all sorts of good stuff we're going to throw the, the in. Bra- wow. The Bradenton, Florida Holiday Inn, if you got that brochure in there. <laughs> well, you know, you know what is in here, too? I've got a... It's right here, guys. The Walt Disney World Vacation Kingdom Photo Express. Same day service. Color oh, prints yes. only. Oh. Yeah. With with Mickey in the photo window, that art artwork? No, look at this one. This is very bland. Oh wow. What Just like a parchment days? envelope. Yeah. We'll throw that in too. <laughs> Copyright nineteen eighty-three. That prize is available if you can guess this month's all your rewind puzzler. All right, if you think you know the answer to this month's Audio Rewind Puzzler, send your guesses to podcast at retrowdw.com. All entries should be received by April 30th, 2017. We will pick a random person from all correct entries to win this month's prize pot. And all entries, regardless if they're correct or not, will be entered into our summer prize pot drawing. So, Just, just to clarify, we yes. do not select a random person. The computer selects That's a correct. random person. So you heard it's not just us up. sitting like, around... Yeah, JT yeah. fires it. You heard it back in the in the uh, what was it the <laughs> January or December episode? He went downstairs and fired up the computer. We got that fired up and uh, picked it out. So, but we have a prize pot. JT, you're keeping track um, of the prize pot. And what do we what do we have so far in it? There's the All list. Right, I got my paper. There's the list. Yeah. January, Walt Disney at the World's Fair, four CD set. Last month we had the mystery prize. That's what mm-hmm. I have written down. Did we clarify the new prize? I'm willing to reveal what the mystery prize is right Ooh, now. Here we go. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> write it down. All right. The mystery prize is a the official album of Disneyland and Walt Disney World 33 and a third LP record from 1988. 
So a record. A record vinyl. Vinyl record. It's still in the wrapping, right? Still in the wrapper. Still sealed. NOS. New original stock. <laughs> new inbox. That's NIB. Right. That's right. Shrink wrapped. Okay, so that's right. the February prize. Yep. Now our month, this month's prize. And how you're yeah. adding something in for this month as well, correct? You're right. So we are adding to the mystery pot a little golden book from 1971 called a surprise for mickey mouse and how and how what is the significance of this to walt disney world the significance of this book to walt disney world is that it tells the story of how mickey mouse joins the mickey mouse review look at that yeah it's got conductor mickey on the cover it's a little golden book if you're familiar with those you can put it right in line with your collection he's hanging out he's hanging out with his friends and then morty and ferdy say Walt Disney World is going to have a Mickey Mouse review, and guess who's going to direct the orchestra? And they say, you are Mickey. And then they put him on a plane. And for those of you who don't know, the Mickey Mouse review is where present-day Mickey's PhilharMagic is, mm-hmm. which yes. pre- was preceded by The Legend of the Lion King, which was preceded by... Uh, no, Magic Journeys no, played there Magic for a while. Journeys. Yes. Magic <sighs> Journeys from Epcot. It was moved over there for a period of time. When Captain EO exiled it. Uh, yep. it, it moved over to did. the Magic Kingdom. So those are all for future episodes, but we have some great footage of the Mickey Mouse review coming up uh, with sound, and uh, it's got about three minutes running time, so it's a good good portion oh. of the of, of the attraction. So, again, if you know the answers to this month's podcast, uh, send your entries to podcast at retrowdw.com, and we'll get you in, entered into for the prize pot and this month's prize. <laughs> All right, well, it's time for this month's uh, main topic, which is River Country. JT will be taking us back there in just a moment. And uh, guys, I dug out my Birnbaum 1986 guide, and I wanted to lead off uh, this month there reading a little what what he said. Um, I, I thought some of the way that he positioned this is kind of interesting. Slipping and sliding down the curvy water chutes at top speed, getting tangled up all arms and legs in the whirlpools of Raft Rider Ridge, then whamming into the water from the swimming pool's high slides makes even careworn grown-ups smile, grin, giggle, chortle, and roar with delight. Uh, People who climb to the top with trepidation embark on the lightning-fast journey to the bottom only because it seems too late to back out. At the bottom, they rush back for more. Line haters queue up over and over again. Those who associate lakes with muck and weeds go into ecstasies over the way the soft sand on the river country bottom squiggles between their toes. Jeez. So, pretty heavily written that you're going to enjoy this place even though it's going to throw you around like crazy. So, JT, let's rewind the clocks back, talk a little bit about what started river country and how did we get there. All right. Well, you know, the one thing I always think about River Country is, you know, as I've said in previous episodes, we were Fort Wilderness. We stayed there. We, you know, camped, did the whole deal. And it was always like a, a place that kind of like you'd see it, but it like it like beckons you, if, if, for lack of a better term. Like, like a comparison is like if you're at the Contemporary and you can sit there and see Space Mountain. Like that was kind of like our space mountain was river country as weird as it seems like it was off to the left like if you're coming up past pioneer hall the trading post um it's it's to the left but if you're getting off the boats at fort wilderness it was to the right 
Um, and even if you didn't go back towards it, you would see they had like a big looking uh, metal drum water tanker thing on wheels. It looked like a big like covered wagon type thing, but it had the River Country logo and it was um, kind of sitting there sort of to, like to, to coax you that direction. Now, out of you guys, who's been there? I have not. Oh, I, I went a couple of times <clears throat> in the okay. uh, in the mid-80s. And um, I actually, one of my many brushes of attempting to work for Disney and not being able to was I decided I wanted to be a lifeguard at River Country as a summer job because that seemed to be like the, the best cush job that you could have at Walt Disney World. <laughs> We'll talk about that. Yeah, we're gonna really we're gonna wasn't. we're gonna hear from Chuck a little bit later who worked there. You you might you might be glad how that you didn't. <laughs> yeah. I I went through lifeguard training and I was actually like you had to do a like a hundred yard swim or something or hundred meter swim in like thirty seconds and I did it in thirty one so I washed out of my like Red Cross <laughs> clash class and I wasn't able to I had to go work flipping burgers that year so. So, I, uh, so, so I regretted so, it, but maybe I won't now. I, I did not try to work there, but I never visited. Uh, my early trips to the parks or to the resort all fell between November and February. And uh, as JT will let you know, the park often was closed during the winter months. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Well, just kind of, yeah, so we get the, the feel for it. I only went once in all the years of staying at Fort Wilderness. So, I mean, it wasn't like I'm the, the you know, full-on experiential season pass holder, but I definitely uh, visited that and remember it well. So, yeah, JT, we, a couple days ago, you and I talked to Les Scalotta. Um, so Les worked uh, elsewhere in, in Walt Disney World, and um, he got called over to... Uh, assist uh, with river country uh les went on to he's an he's a just recently retired he's an imagineer uh with disney for a number of years um but we talked to him a little bit about uh some of the early uh inclinings that a a water park was coming to walt disney world uh one of the one of the things i remember or a couple of things i remember about river country was one day we were told uh, to get one of the playground slides and go down to the dock Okay, and we're going, okay, so we, we wrestled up a slide from the, one of the playgrounds and went down to the dock, and Dick Nunes showed up. And uh, so we're all there, and we're going to wonder what this is about, and Dick says, put the slide at the end of the dock, and our lifeguards were there, of course, and uh, he goes, all right, you guys go ahead and, you know, guys and girls, start sliding down the slide. <laughs> and then uh, they would talk, okay, after <laughs> each slide, you know, and they'd get together and they'd huddle up. And then, you know, we're all there going with pictures. But then he said, raise the slide up. Oh. So I don't know how many times we did this. And I can't remember what we used to raise the slide up. But we kept elevating the slide at the end of the dock. And they kept doing this, you know. And we're going, you know, this is fun. I wonder what this is all about. <laughs> so at the end, you know, you know, he said, thank you, jumped in the boat and took off. We huh. packed up our stuff and went back. And for the longest time, we had no idea what he was doing. All right. Uh, as time goes on, you know, they said River Country's coming and this and that. And then we finally figured it out when we seen the slides in the swimming pool that were, you know, so high up that that the was drops, a mock-up yeah. and a test. Yeah, the drop <laughs> would determine, you know, you know, the excitement of the slide plus, you know, are we going to hurt anybody? That's but true. that was the original mock-up. Uh, that he pulled off, okay, so they could determine that elevation. Which, the uh, which slide to the pool? Which dock was that? Like the one where the boats that, pull up, or or the southern yeah, one? Yeah, that was a Fort. No, I was a Fort Wilderness dock. Okay, just right yeah, there on the main the, launch. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, right at the end of it. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. Imagine guests oh, yeah. coming off some boats. What are those people doing twelve feet up? Well, in the yeah, air? we. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were wondering ourselves, going, "What the heck is this all about?" And right. They, and you know, you know how Imagineering is today. Well, wed that was wed at the time, a very secretive. You know, nobody ever knew what they were doing. And uh, of course, it took us for the longest time to go. Oh, I remember. Remember, we did that slide mock up down there at the dock. Now we knew what it was all about. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. But <laughs> well, you never know what you're going to get into. Yeah, that's the fun part about this. You never know what you're going to get into. It was it was quite exciting. So as as Les said, that was kind of like the uh, the early test bed of, and I thought that was so hilarious. Like right oh, yeah. there, he I go, I'm like, so you're talking the side dock, you know, where the the lifeguards and that sort of stuff like parked and traveled. No, no, the main boat dock. It just blew my mind right there. <laughs> I mean, it might have been early before ferry traffic started, but I thought that was awesome. Um, so it led into the creation of River Country, which from you know the naked eye, it looks like you're just kind of in a little cove outlet thing right off of Bay Lake, but it's actually a little bit more complicated than that. Um, to keep it simple without getting too crazy technical, um, they had like a basic bladder system or a rubber type wall, the way I understand it, dividing Bay Lake and what they called Bay Cove, which is kind of like the open water swim area at River Country. And Bay Cove was actually taller than Bay Lake, so it kind of had this cascading water over the bladder type thing into Bay Lake. And the way that the water went into there and was, we'll say, mildly filtered. I'll let Todd, who's our resident pool expert, chime in on this. Uh, it, it was mildly filtered. So if you can picture the flow of water, it got pumped up this mountain, if which we'll get into a little bit. And it was basically then the water that fed down the slides and you know took you down the slide and then it went into the cove and then back out into bay lake right and from what i understood it was like i said mildly filtered right i think it was basically yeah a particular to keeping you know shoes and boots and <laughs> different things yeah. leaves and debris out but it was it w was basically lake water um and yeah the water was kept about six to 12 inches higher than bay lake so this rubber bladder or coffer dam, dam whatever you want to call it the water would eventually, as it was replenished into that area, would spill back out into Bay Lake. Um, and that's how they kept uh, not only the, the main swimming Bay Cove area, the main water slides, uh, the whitewater raft ride, the two body slides, and also one of the kiddie slides that was up on the northern, um, or I'm sorry, southernmost area uh, of the park was, was all supplied with water. So it was revolutionary in that sense that you could quote unquote swim in a lake and have lake water. Um, and, and really integrate it into the landscape, which was unique for its time, too. You know, one of the very first water parks in general, but uh, one of the first, I think, that was themed and integrated. Yeah, it's, you know, it's uh, Wet n' Wild takes the claim as the first water park, and that was 77. Um, and this, in my opinion, I think this was the first fully themed water park, you know, a legitimate, like, uh, unique thing in 1976, which... Um, we talked to uh, a few different people and you can read online they did have like a soft opening in you know May of 76 but the official opening date was June 20th 1976 
and uh, you know it, Todd mentioned the theming it really rolled over from Fort Wilderness as mm. far as like the the fencing the light posts the signage even the trash cans like when you walked in it felt like a seamless uh, you know it was almost like it could have been the resort pool of Fort Wilderness wilderness but it, it actually wasn't unfortunately um you know, from there, though, we, we, we learned about uh, they had a special guest of honor that for the grand opening, and it was actually Gerald Ford's daughter, Susan Ford, and uh, she was the guest of honor, and I believe, didn't she go down a couple slides or something like that? To... Yeah, JT, we spoke with Chuck Breidart, who, who um, was a, a lifeguard there and also was there for opening, and he told us a little about Susan Ford and, uh, and how that went. We had celebrities come in. Uh, the, the president at the time was Gerald Ford, and his daughter Susan and a bunch of Secret Service guys were there for the for the Fourth of July, and uh, it just added to the chaos. It, that place was packed. It, wow. it was like sardine. Going off of Chuck and what he had to say, you know, it was it was an interesting choice. I thought for you know they didn't have a president come to open a water park. They had the president's you know younger kid come do the slide. The, how old was Susan Ford then? Do we know? And I assume teenage years. Yeah, she like that. she had her senior prom in the White House, so she was 18, okay. 19 years old. Yeah. Okay, so All you know right. it wasn't like they're getting the first lady to christen the water slide, but you know they had uh, the daughter come, but. Uh, we also talked to Les, and Les had a, a different take on what actually happened that day, which is quite comical. Well, we got a call from the, the manager, came back. We all had a group up, and that the next morning, they were going to have this huge walkthrough with the president's daughter and media. You know, this is before it opened, a media event. That's basically what they tell you. And that uh, we need to all wear ties. And I said, well, nobody in campground wear ties. I don't even have one, you know. And, of course, my boss says, hey, well, I'll bring you one in. And I said, okay, great. So, you know, next morning we all show up. We're all grouped down in River Country in, in, the, in the meeting room. And, uh, you know, they go, here's your tie. And they're all in ties, you know. The team that was, we had different points throughout River Country that we had a man. And I get my tie on, and uh, they start, you know, signing us to our points. And uh, I take off. And my point is at the highest part in the park, which is at the top of the two slides that go down into the lake park of the, of the uh, of river country. And so I'm standing up there at the highest point of the whole park. And then, uh, you know, so I looking down at everything and I start seeing the entourage come through, Secret Service, Susan Ford, all the cameras and media, you know, <laughs> and they're walking through. And they're coming through and I see the one of the guys at the first post up and I'm going, you know, his tie went. What happened? <laughs> and they kept going around, and I kept noticing none of the post stuffs have their ties on. So I look all around the park, and everywhere throughout the whole park, there's not a single person with a tie on. No Secret Service, no media, no Susan Ford dressed, you know, just normal clothes, and none of my people. And here <laughs> I am standing at the highest part, point of the park with a tie on. <laughs> And I'm going, you know, payback's going to be something on this one. Yeah, right, right. We, you know, we, we were known for practical jokes in the campground. In those days, in the 70s, it was the greatest thing. We always were pulling, you know, pranks and stuff. And they got me big time. I mean, the whole staff was in on it from the, you know, cam back to manager all the way through. 
and they pulled the biggest one I've seen in a long time. <laughs> and I said, you all. So, they, you know, of course, everything's over, and we go back, and we regroup, and I'm going, you guys, y'all ain't going to be for a big one now. <laughs> That's awesome. And they were laughing, of course. They thought it was the funniest thing in the world, you know. <laughs> Here I am with that on a tie, clear at the highest point in the park, you know. <laughs> yeah. So we did we did have a lot of fun. Like I said, that was that was one of the greatest so poor, poor, poor Les left up there in the blazing sun with a blazer and a tie and everything. <laughs> I thought this was crazy too. You know that opening day, opening prices four seventy five for adults and three seventy five for kids, and uh, they did push which we've seen and you know online those combination tickets of Discovery Island and River Country. You kind of bought them both together. Right. Now, did um, that include your train ride to the entrance? If you no, I think that was separate. But Les also Les also mentioned that um, you know that, that, that he was he worked on Discovery Island and they beat, built the aviary over there just before this. Um, and, and some of the research too. And we can talk a little bit more to Les about this. Maybe we can dig a little further. Um, but there was going to be a bigger tie-in initially um, over to Discovery Island that never never came to be, which is interesting. Um. So, you know, going off of, I kind of mentioned the theming, I, when you look at the pictures and you see it, it just, it screams to me, Big Thunder Mountain, uh, you know, Tom Sawyer Island, that rock work, and uh, it was done by the same guy that did that, I could butcher his name here, Fred Jorger, do you guys know that guy? He is the master yes. rock builder. I think, Good. I think his J is pronounced Jorger, like a Y. Right? Yeah, Jorger. Fred Jorger, okay. Well, Fred Jorger. Fred Jorger, my... <laughs> I, he did he did the rock work very similar however he does his rock work he's like the rock expert you know he's the guy that said you have to think like a rock to make the rocks right and uh, I thought this was crazy he actually embedded stones from uh, different streams in Georgia and the Carolinas to sort of give it a different look a different authenticity at river country so um, that kind of lent to the theming and like I said very uh, you know back hole swim hole type thing with the rocks and the sand and the the built right off the lake a very unique theme to the whole place um and you know going off of that that main water it was completely unheated so that's why brian kind of mentioned he didn't get to go because they did close often when it got too cold out or something like that it just it they couldn't keep it open due to the water temperatures not being regulated so. i mean i remember in the summertime two things about river country it was extremely busy and the water was extremely cold. Yeah. Um, it, it, and that's, you know, I was kind of going back to, like, you hear, like, these different stories. People really liked it, really like you know, and then some people would, like, didn't go because of that reason. It was just a, you look like you're swimming in a lake. But I grew up, you know, going up north to, to Canada and stuff. So, it, to me, it was, like, right at home. But, yeah, I do remember it being very cold. And, like, I kind of led myself to the pool more often than not when I was there. You know, we talked about the, we were kind of, you know, chatting before we got going on the episode here. River Country was amazingly small, six acres only, and it had like a fourth, roughly 4,700, 5,000 guest capacity right in that range. So, you know, when we, we kind of talk about the problems towards the end of it, that was kind of one of it. The the size and the, it just didn't, didn't like how said, didn't have the room for people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, JT, you're right. I mean, and, and size wise, people, if, if you can imagine the hub in the Magic Kingdom, if you imagine drawing a circle from the edge of all the buildings and all the different lands in that main hub in front of Cinderella's castle, including the water, that's six acres. River Country could fit in that hub area. That's how small it is. It's crazy. It's just, yeah, it, and it, it seemed, you know, bigger because it had lots of little nooks and crannies, but it filled up with people. A lot of the pictures you see, it looks 
body to body a lot of times. Definitely, uh, you know, depending on the weather, of course, it was it was for sure busy. There right. was a and healthy I, wait to do just about anything there. It's like you definitely queued up for that. For sure. The, uh, the Like I, I was saying, you know, we'd walk by it. You'd see it on our way to the Magic Kingdom. We'd see it when we go out to dinner at Fort Wilderness. But one of the other problems was getting there. You had in the early days the Fort Wilderness Railroad, which if you're unfamiliar with that, we, you know, we're going to do an episode on it. But it was a, a railroad uh, steam locomotive that ran around Fort Wilderness and you could catch it at the the depot, the settlement depot, or the the main hub there at the entrance of Fort Wilderness and ride it to the settlement and you'd get there. The other way was you'd have to drive to Fort Wilderness Park and then take the internal bus or tram system to it. And of course, boat from contemporary Polynesia and those sort of things. But it wasn't like you could drive up and park and walk in. It just wasn't that easy. So I don't how how did you get there? Do you remember? Yeah, so we drove from Orlando because I was living in Orlando and we would park up in the main parking lot and then take, I, th- I think it was maybe the first time we went there was the train, but I know the second time we definitely took a tram. Yeah, uh, the, the, the open ba- tram. Yeah, and it would drop you off over by the, uh, by the, by the store, like the general mm-hmm. store thing, and then you would walk over to the park entrance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it, it was such a uh, a cool location. I'm still you know just remembering. You'd see it like we'd hop on the boat to go to the Magic Kingdom, and you can still see it now because it's obviously still there in ruins. But I mean, you'd see it just right there, right off the main thing, and you were like, oh, I just want to go there and swim. It looks so fun. Um, I wanted to go through since we kind of touched base on the what do they call it, the Bay Cove area where the uh, the main like we'll call it river water lake water was the different attractions and we'll kind of hit on those and you guys have all seen video and you kind of kind of will know what i'm talking about here but some of these things were, were borderline dangerous and crazy at the same time the the i one of my favorites <laughs> which i don't know why as a kid it was always like and i don't maybe this is just me the the concept of a zip line was always like oh i want to make a zip line oh, i want to zip across something i want to go across this lake and drop into it and they had it there and it was this this thing you climbed up onto a platform and it wasn't necessarily that the zip line was like dangerous other than you know you could obviously rip your finger off in it or something but <laughs> you 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 stand on this platform which i felt like you'd hold like the t-bar for lack of a better term like at chest level and you would sort of like jump off of the platform mm-hmm. so you had this big jolt before you actually went forward down the cable and i if it would have been above your head it would have been so much smoother but I, just, I thought that's amazing. You watch all the footage, it's these kids are like, pow, and then they go flying down the zip line. It's not a smooth ride at all. So one of the comments on, on one of the articles I read, somebody said they, they loved that because they would zip down and they could time when they got that thud. It was like this extra power boost. <laughs> and they learned how to do a con, do a complete somersault and then enter into a dive into the water. I mean, it's like, of course. if you dive at any water park now, somebody's going to, you know, the lawyers are going to come out screaming at you. Well, thank you, JD, because you explained it, because I remember I tried that thing several times, and you would basically walk up a ladder, and you would stand on the ladder, So the and the rungs weren't flat, they were circular, so when, uh-huh. I, I'm flat-footed, so it would sit there and it would kill the, the bottom of my feet as I was trying to go up, <laughs> and I would hit that point, and I would fall off every time. I never went down that thing successfully. <laughs> be like such a letdown. You got permanent arches yeah, in your feet. Yeah, you'd wait for like 20 got... minutes, and then my ride was over in like a second and a half. <laughs> I, yeah, the zip line was always a disappointment at water parks. It never. I feel like I was never tall enough or something. Yeah, it's, I knew it's the feeling. 
Um, one of the next items on the dangerous middle of the uh, murky type water, <laughs> uh, the tire swing. Now, mm. this seems so innocent, so fun. You know, you just hop on, swing around. But I love the PR pictures they post. This the kids are swinging full speed. They're almost like horizontal to the water. Yeah, they're in... like the seventy degree angle. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and the, it's I'm like a guessing... commercial. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing the chains weren't coated in rubber or anything. They well, were just... I saw that and I said, you know, imagine if, if you flip the wrong way and your your ankle gets caught in a chain and you yeah. come tumbling down. I, um, You know, I'm going back to, to not only that and, and the zip line, it, you could land on somebody. You could do some serious injury just swinging off or off of a tire swing or whatever. And um, I'm sure the next one you're going to talk about is the, is the, the what is it, the... the the swing. world famous boom swing. The boom swing. Um, that's it. That's yeah, it. It, it looks like kind of like a. a sh- I, I. This reminded me like Pirates of the Caribbean. Like Jack Sparrow would do something <laughs> like this. Like, like it looked like a ship mast. Like a basically a big log hanging out there. Like I don't know, eight feet long or something. And you picture you climb up on a little platform with your wet hands, and you have to sort of just hang on to this beam and push off, and it sort of swings out over the water, and then you just either let go, and I've seen video of people just hanging on and it going back and forth, like, you know, people are waiting in line, buddy, jump off the boom already. (laughs) And they could come back and they could drop themselves right on the dock and (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so you just, you know, you kind of got a little momentum, you swung out, and then just let off. It really wasn't that exciting looking, it just looked like a complete danger hazard of a ride but so let's take um, account here we've got three three not attractions but three things to do and three safety violations so far right? yeah yeah it's, okay it's definitely I'm up there it, and and you know then the boom swing you just take a rope which was just i'm sure some twine or like a you know rope there and you just pulled it back in and the next person took the gamble on it so um <laughs> after that we have out farther out actually this was closer to bay lake uh it was called the rope climb which i don't remember doing this it was just a basically a, a rope uh you'd go hand over hand on just you know try to get across it and it just kind of had like a big sag in it and you just sort of like climbed across it it just nothing real fancy about it but so those were kind of like the little, we'll call them mini attractions, out in the middle of the uh, the lake there, the Bay Cove area. Definitely, uh, you know, I don't want to say unsupervised because there was lifeguards floating around, but you, when you watch the footage and, you you know, I think we have some on the site even, you just, you see that it's kind of a free-for-all to for a certain, ex- to, to a certain extent on there. Um, so... There was a couple main attractions, though, the ones that really drew the people in, and these also used the Bay Cove, the main lake water. Um, I'll, I'll talk about the first one, which it's kind of has two different names, and each part kind of had a different name. The Raft Rider Ridge or the Whitewater Rapids. Um, you know, I you want to think Lazy River because you think of the inner tubes, but um, it really wasn't. It was kind of like a... Uh, a, a I don't know, basically a whitewater raft ride on an inner tube and there were once again not a lot of supervision when you look at the footage and I remember doing this you'd, you'd kind of get your tube you'd wait in line for people to get off of it they'd pass you the tube and then you would carry your tube across the barrel bridge up to the top of it and you'd sort of ride down and there was caves there was tunnels there was waterfalls there was like um, whirlpool type things that you get stuck in but it really was like people just crammed in there, just sort of running into each other, and it, just it wasn't very it, long, too, right? It was, no, it was pretty no. short. And you, if you had to go across, bring your tube for anybody who's been to Typhoon Lagoon, you know, you got to carry your tube up up the up the steps and stuff. Crossing a barrel bridge with with tube and probably a kid in tow carrying their tube, this is not. <laughs> 
It is no. not not conducive to moving the population through the through the attraction. This was my favorite my favorite thing there was this though. You like this yeah, one? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah, I remember it being fun. Like it was just like a kind of a free for all. Like you know, there was like a lifeguard randomly floating around to sort of you know move it along or keep yeah, it going. But they would stand up on the edges mm-hmm. and be able to look down and yell at people to like. Uh, I, I the one spot where you could kind of. Uh, you'd kind of come down and then there was like most of the the white water stuff you could actually get your feet down and stand up in there uh, mm-hmm. if you wanted to and that's where the water would kind of circulate and knock people over that was the funnest place to hang out and then as soon as you went past that then you went down that really shallow slide <laughs> down yeah just a, just a yeah. smooth like right so if you were back in the tube you'd like scrape up your, your legs and your butt going down that thing <laughs> I think it's Chuck mentioned too. We were talking to him how you know, yeah, you could be in your raft and get caught in the whirlpool, and then you just sit there spinning in a circle, going absolutely <laughs> nowhere. Um, I, it's interesting too. There's a pic photo I found where uh, you remember the old rafts in the '70s and '80s, those long inflatable rafts that had, you know, maybe five or six of these long uh, chambers filled with air, yeah, with the, like pillow the pillow at the end, yeah. right? There's a picture of a kid going down the rapids ride with one of those. So there was no supervision or, or you know, hey, you must use this type hey, of. Hey, uh, you paid your four fifty. It's like them restaurants where you can bring them whatever you want to deep fry. That's <laughs> whatever you bring, we'll let you slide down with. As long as you pay your entrance fee, we're yes. totally cool with it. No, just it was an interesting memory. I didn't. I don't. I think when I went, it was the yellow and blue handle tubes. But mm. back, you look at the old promo images. They had those black tubes that had those were true, country. true inner tubes. Those yeah, were real truck inner they tubes. Were, yeah. yeah, and those things Which, are are tough, and they usually had some sort of giant uh, fill valve somewhere on. They probably <laughs> scrape the crap out of your body, you know, trying to get on them. Don't um, touch that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll include in the show notes that the, the two films that we've have because we have the professional film that was done the, the promotional film. We also have some uh, uh, amateur footage of, of River Country, which you know, r- footage of this park is is rare too. There's there's not a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, Those... kind of connected to that whole like you, you took your camera out in the day, like you guys said to the park. You're not going to go risk it at the water park. No, those expensive. those tubes, if they flipped over, they were so heavy. I swear to God, they'd knock you out if they hit you <laughs> the right way. <laughs> so, all right, so so far that's another one. That's that's four things to do, um, and four. Yeah, the insurance injuries. man has already walked away. Yeah, we're, we're just not. we're just checking. And that was a now again the rock work was there that that was all sculpted concrete slide i believe too that there wasn't any you know off the shelf product right um, no i could just envision coming down and careening into one person and, and knocking your head on the rock and yeah in fact yeah. underneath underneath like i was talking about where you could walk it's like that was all sculpted down there too probably to make the white water effect so there were mm-hmm. places where that would go up and down like large bumps and ridges underneath the water <laughs> oh, wow. so yeah, you crack your definite... skull on that too <laughs> <laughs> it was a definite yeah like complete cement like ride like basically a big wide slide made of cement um so that that was one of those rides though that the water pumped up and it came down there and that's what naturally filled the the bay cove just the that that motion of the water there but the other two that did that was the whoop and holler hollow uh that was kind of the main attraction of the place because they were actual like water slides that uh they themed real well they had the wooden trestles and the rocks around them that kind of made it look like it was uh like the whole thing was made of wood like almost like uh like you're in like a water wheel type you know system something like that but, right right yeah um there was two slides one was 260 feet the other was 160 feet that's not and, long 
when no. you think about it that's really not that long no and they had such a, a, a unique look to them when you wrote the, to me the water like when you see a modern water slide the water just seems to be going down like if you let them run for like 20 years there'd be a perfect wear mark in them mm. like you know where the water went down but these had this like sloshy look to them like there was like a lot of i don't want to say inconsistency but just like it was like it was almost like they made a water slide when they didn't really know how to make a water slide like they do now and it just sort of like you'd go down and you watch the footage and i kind of remember this but not really like not great breakneck speeds i mean you went down well, here, it's not like you got stuck here's but. here's a tip from burnbaum here the rule of thumb is to sit up to slow down and lie back to speed up be warned that once you lie down to accelerate getting up is virtually impossible what? Re reclining with arms at side <laughs> guarantees a slower ride than lying on your back with hands above the head. Arching your back so that only shoulders and heels are on the flume surface increases the pace still further. Combining position allows for braking and accelerating at will. There wow. you go. Interesting. Nice job, Steve. And, yeah, Steve I, had it all. And when you look at the the pictures, like I said, those wooden trestles really sold it for me. It just looked like mm. it was something right out of like like for lack of a better term, the the Tom Sawyer Huck Finn era. I mean, it was really neat looking. But yeah. um, Chuck added a crazy fact. He said that the top edge, which I, from what I read online, these slides were made of like a fiberglass, and they were a custom job. It's not like there was any off the shelf slide makers really that uh, you know came out and built them. He said the top edge that kind of rolled over and was meant to look like wooden or whatever, you know, rustic on the top edge really ripped the mess out of people's hands. So they had some pretty <laughs> nasty cuts there along the top edge. And you look, I mean, if you look at some of the pictures, you see that edge that he's talking about. You're like, wow, yeah. you're not supposed to touch that. I mean, if you're going down the slide, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I think about going down a water slide, my first thought isn't to like touch the top edge of the slide as I'm going down. But that one you definitely don't want to touch if you ever... And the sides were not very tall. No, people no. were putting their hands on that to, to kind of help propel them forward. So, you know, Chuck mentions the hand thing, which we want to listen to him hear, hear him say that. But he also mentions some different things about uh, as far as like the modern technology they used to send the sliders down. And also what happened when you exited that slide. So it's really interesting to hear him say this. You know, that water where you came down the flumes, when you came down the, the big water slides on the mountain, uh, that water was pretty deep at the bottom and uh, of course we had a guard stationed at the bottom of both of those two big slides and then uh, at the end of the uh, inner tube raft ride that had a guard down at the bottom of that a lot of people would come and and be fairly confident swimmers but not really strong swimmers and they would be going so fast when they hit that water and it was clearly over their head I mean you know and and when they'd hit that water and not hit bottom they would freak out. <laughs> we yeah. we used to pull people out right and left. I mean, many of them might not have made it if there not been somebody there to true, help them. But true. I'd say on an average day, we were probably pulling uh, 10, 12 people out at least on a uh, you know on a good busy day. We we had people going in frequently. If a person got in trouble, hopefully you could throw them a flotation device that they could, and then you could pull them in with a rope. Uh, or you had the uh, shepherd's crook that you could reach out and get them with. But uh, an awful lot of times you had to go into the water to get them because they were, you know, they were panic-stricken and wouldn't respond to, uh, you know, whatever else you tried. The deepest part of the water was right there where those slides emptied in. Uh, and... You know, they we didn't we discouraged people. We tried to keep people out of that area because if you had somebody uh, in that area and the next person down could slam into them, it hit you pretty hard. 
it, it would, uh, you know, it would nail you pretty good if you, if you didn't get out of the way pretty quickly. Yeah, I was just saying, you know, at Typhoon Lagoon and, and Blizzard Beach, those types of slides have, you know, electric eyes now that sense when the person reaches the bottom and they give a stop-go light up at the up at the top. Was there any such placement of that? No, I mean, I'm looking at a we, picture and I see multiple <laughs> people on the slides, so I can only imagine. Yeah, no, we had a, <laughs> we had a system where they had, once they reached a, once they guest reached a certain point on the slide going down you know we had two lifeguards at the top of the of the slides as well one on each at each of the slides and uh they would get the people up uh the guest would come in sit down in the water pool at the top and when the previous slider reached a certain point in the flume we'd send the next one down and so you would probably have three possibly as many as four people on the slide at the same time and they were still coming. I mean, you know, and so if you if you had somebody get in trouble, now the current there was the there was a I think a gosh something like uh, 200 gallons a minute of water going down these slides. So it did create a current that tended to push you away from the bottom of the slide. So you know you, your chances of actually getting you know hit by the next guy down were not you know not too dangerous but it was not a there was no electric eye no timing system it was just a when you saw somebody reach a certain point you let the next person go right and, and you know that's it's, it's interesting because um you know i've been on some of the, the rides of type lagoon and, and a, a specific bathing suit i was wearing one day i almost stopped a third through the through the through the water and i you know who doesn't even thinking that they have the electric eyes i'm thinking oh my gosh i'm gonna get creamed yeah <laughs> yeah but uh i mean fortunately that you know that type of safety but jt just sent me a picture and yeah sure enough on one of the slides this is an overhead shot i can count one two three four and there there could be a fifth person under the trestle uh, yeah on, on one yeah. Of the slides it's insane on the other one they've got at least one two three Maybe four. I mean, and some of them are, wow, they're pretty close together. I can only imagine. But we had to do it that way. We had to get them because there were only the two slides. Everybody wanted to ride them. And you might have, you know, 300 people in line and the line just never got shorter, you know. Right. And so you had to get them on there and get them down, you know. But uh, it, it is. It's surprising that there, that there weren't more injuries in a, in a sense. Well, when I said in injuries, they also had an issue uh, early on. Uh, the flumes uh, had a cap uh, across each side at the top. It was made to look like it was wood. It was a plastic uh, strip that, that covered the top edge of the uh, of the flume, and, and people would get their hand up there, and, and uh, it would cut, leave some nasty cuts, nasty uh, nasty wounds of fingers and, and hands and such. So... It's just amazing that, you know, over at Typhoon Lagoon now and, and Blizzard Beach, when you come off, there's a soft pad to land on. The water's only about three and a half feet deep. Um, you've got the trigger system. You can easily get out of the way. But, you know, here, being dropped in the 12 feet and having to swim out and not expect it to be so uh, yeah. so treacherous, it's, it's, it's a wonder. So there, there's a, a couple, you know, you see those old signs, the placards that had the rules and things, and a mm. lot of them say strong swimmers only, and that rule should be for the entire river country complex based on what we've been hearing and being there. I mean, if you had any hesitations on being a good swimmer, you definitely didn't want to go anywhere other than the famous Kitty Cove. Um, Kitty and why, Cove why was, don't we want to go to Kitty Cove? Should we let Chuck <laughs> tell us? 
we can let Chuck tell us. And that had a small it's on the slide. other side of the barrel bridge. Yeah. Right. Was, yeah. 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 And um, that was that was that wasn't uh, chlorinated at all either. That was still fed from from the lake, the, correct? The, yes, it was. That was all part of the same lagoon there with the uh, the water coming in going over the dam. In some pictures of that, the water looks very dark and more stagnant than than other areas. Well, it was, didn't have enough water coming into it to get a good flow. And ah. lifeguards didn't really like getting in that area because the kids peed in there. You know, <laughs> it's full of pee, and yeah. so it doesn't. So you're not moving the water; it's got a natural uh, additive. Uh, right. It was kind of the cesspool, you know. Right, uh, right. That certainly explains why it looks so dark, and there, there was only really one slide back there for the water to add. But it was it was quite shallow. I mean, it was it was it was intended for. Uh, young children, you know, five-year-olds and less, you know, more sure. or less, and uh, and so really anybody, any uh, older kids or adventurous kids, they didn't want to be there anyway. They're just a, uh, one or two small slides was all they had, and, but it was just a safer place for younger kids. So Kitty Cove was, as Chuck said, you know, it was in the main water. It was connected to the the Bay Cove, but it didn't have that water flow from slides. It did have four small slides there, but they were just kind of like a, a generic water slide right off of that. It was like a big rock formation there. It wasn't any Bay Lake fed slides there. It was roughly knee deep water. It was meant for it, some of the brochures and literature says preteens and you know youngsters, toddlers, I guess, but it's. Uh, was a way to get into the old swimming hole, but for the little kids. Um, and if you have even smaller kids, uh, this place isn't really well advertised, and you don't see it much, but it was called Indian Springs. And if you were smaller at River Country and you remember this, it was a, basically an early splash pad. It, it didn't look very padded, as in, like, picture a slab of cement with six jets shooting at you on it. That was the splash pad. Kind of like hanging so. out in a, in a mall fountain. Pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. It had that <laughs> 70s mall f- sprinkler fountain look to it, and it just kind of shot there. It actually reminded me, for some reason, the pictures I saw, very similar to the uh, mozzarella sticks at the golf resort for some reason. <laughs> right. That same uh, just what are they thinking type look. But didn't Now, wasn't there a, a supposed kind of like what's over at um, Wilderness Lodge where the spring bubbles up and continues? Wasn't there something like that there, too? Is my, my, In my the record. middle, yeah, yeah, there was like a little, little puddle. I, it, running yeah. out or something yeah there's a couple pictures you see and it's it's in one of the videos i saw on youtube as well of the the indian springs and we mentioned the the barrel bridge that you had to walk over to get to the big slides and there, there was two bridges basically like and i love these old shots of the beach because i mean it was a really nice beach and it was right really close to bay lake so picture you could be on a beach with an umbrella they had lounge chairs there like three to four feet from Bay Lake and you're sitting there in river country like that close and the the boats are going by it's real hustle bustle at the time period there was another bridge on that side called the Bay Bridge and that one it just kind of walked almost like right next to the bladder system and it took you over to the slide side of things Um, another interesting thing that I don't remember doing this how you might was the Cypress Point Nature Trail in I can't say that? we ever did that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're, you're going to a water park and nature trail doesn't seem like it was top of my list as a kid, no. but uh, 
you 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 went in there and it's the one that if you ever drive by in a boat when you you were uh, going to Magic Kingdom it looked like a boardwalk type system right out over the water which it kind of was it was really neat it was there was those big trees coming out of the water which are what are those how he Florida people know oh cypress trees cypress trees okay there you go that's why it was called the Cypress Point Nature Trail <laughs> and uh, you'd, you'd kind of weave through those and there was like little beaches like white sand areas where ducks would sort of nest and do whatever they do and it, it was really cool though and that I, I don't know. I thought when you look at the old pictures of that, I was like, oh, that'd be kind of cool to walk around now. That I'm so there. I'm willing to bet you that the shoe tree is one of the cypress trees from Cypress Point. Oh, Did that's, it? that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, it was close. I don't know if it jutted out that far, the, the boardwalk, but it was close. You're right. It was right there. Um, but yeah, that, that recently, like not like maybe within the past 10 years, they demoed that, that boardwalk there. Because I remember seeing it, you know, after River Country closed within... 10 years or so um there was also your standard water park stuff there was play a regular playground there were some cookout pavilions um two refreshment locations and i i kind of just wanted to throw these in there because i mean it might spark somebody's memory of going there was the pops place and the water and hole um different things i was wondering and i just kind of curious about this because it is a you're at the beach, you're swimming for the day, and it's just, just to throw fuel onto the fire. Did they serve beer or alcohol at any of these places? How? Do you remember? Well, I have it right here in Birnbaum. What do you got? It says, picnicking is permitted. You can eat on the beach or seek out a table on the shady lawns. Sorry, folks. No alcoholic beverages are allowed to be taken into River Country. Got it. I was really curious if, like, you know, can you get a drink at Typhoon Lagoon? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, it's like so. I was wondering, like, you get all drunk and They'll take even on the bring boom, it to your cabana if you pay for it. <laughs> they, well, that's because awesome. the slides are regulated and a lot safer in those other parks, they don't mind if you get tuned up. So, if Bay Cove wasn't your thing, which I'm guessing it wasn't for some people, or you just it was a little chilly, you wanted to go to a better heated area, they had a chlorinated pool they called the Upstream Plunge, and it was a kidney-shaped pool. Um, it was, I, from what we've been hearing, there was a pretty deep side, roughly 12 feet or so. Yeah. And then a, uh, not as deep side, but, um, this housed one of the more famous shots in river country. They called this the slippery slide falls. And what they did was they had a big hunk of, uh, we'll call it the, the Disney rock, which you want to say that was formed there. And you'd go up the side of that, up a walkway up steps and, um, these were fed by you know chlorinated water down in the pool and you would basically sit on top of this rock and it looked like they plunked a water slide that was only like a you know three inches tall right into the side of the rock and you just slip. you couldn't see the bottom of the slide when no, you were on no. it so it was almost i mean it looks like a vertical drop and then it was a drop off, yeah. Yeah, yeah and then you would drop about seven feet in into the water Mm-hmm. Uh, we have another burn bomb reference here if you'd like. It would slap your stomach up against the roof of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved this thing. I don't know. I remember writing it like five, six, seven times, like just over and over. It was so cool, like just because it was like really fast and you had that free fall feeling. I think I was but, terrified of the concept of it. It just looked frightening if you stood by it and watched it. Oh, yeah, for sure. It. And that's, you know, they, it's one of those things that it's, it was so, uh, it was in all the leaflets and brochures and everything, the picture that somebody sliding down that or dropping off the, uh, the slippery slide falls. So that was the, really the only, uh, chlorinated area of the entire park. There was no hot tub, no jacuzzi area, nothing like that. Just, uh, the upstream plunge. And 
We had some info about the filtration system and some issues with it uh, from Chuck, who actually was brought into River Country for this region. He was he was a, he was a yeah. pool expert. He had the experience over at the Polynesian running their filtration system for the pool over there. And when they looked for somebody, they uh, yeah, he went over to River Country to help out. And uh, here's what he had to say. Uh, as far as the swimming pool, uh, it, it was a. Uh, huge swimming pool and it but it they had made an engineering mistake uh in the filtration design and made it really difficult to uh uh backwash the filters and get them get them back online in in a reasonable amount of time so we ended up having to do uh uh filter backwashes on the pool uh at nighttime after we closed uh, I would stay there late, and it would take about three hours or or so to get a backwash done on the filters. It was it was really tedious. How often? But, uh, how often was that done? Every every day? It, no, it was uh, it, if everything was working, you know, uh, uh, you know, well. It was about a once a week operation. That was about once a week. Okay. And uh, but uh, if the the problem was, it was a. a system that used diatomaceous earth and you they had not designed a good way to get that out of the filtration system uh you know the the used the spent uh diatomaceous earth there was not a good way to get rid of it before you put it in fresh and uh it had to be shoveled out scooped out and it was uh it was a, a lot of hard work it was it was a it was a tedious job so the the obvious thing we've talked about here is safety and you, you get into that point where um you know people start saying why did river country close what happened what what's going on with it and i you know from what you read it's you know we're joking and talking about the safety i personally and from what you read i don't know if safety was the number one reason it closed now it might have closed based on rules and things that were coming but kind of get into this but um November 2nd, 2001, um, is if you look online at some different places, that's when it actually closed, but D23 says September 1st, 2001. So let's just say late 2001 is when the last guest went into the park. And, you know, a lot of people give different reasons. There's the whole amoeba thing, the, the brain-eating amoeba, you know, and people died from swimming at River Country. Um, there was also the thing of... There was talk of a Florida law saying you couldn't swim in water at a resort-type place that wasn't chlorinated, and you couldn't see your feet if you were in knee-deep water. And they say that's why they closed the beaches, too, at uh, the different resorts. So um, the the other reason that I've read is the, the whole 9-11 travel issue, because it was right around then, and, you know, they just kind of, mm -hmm. you know, might have temporarily closed it based on oh. what was going on. Yeah, you also had the stoppage at, remember, the, what, what is now Pop Century. That was the continuation yep. in order to animation. Yeah, the, that, the, the legendary year's wing, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, that I completely mean, stopped. So, I mean, it, I think it's a culmination of a lot of different yeah. things all coming together. And, I mean, when it did close in 2001, they didn't announce anything of it closing forever. They didn't say, we're done. They just said, River Country will open next year. Then they said, well, we might open it as needed. Um, and, you know, Disney did start to get into the two water parks that are there now. They had Typhoon Lagoon. They had Blizzard Beach, which, when we discussed the size, I mean, they were 
you know, quadruple this. They're huge in comparison to River Country, and people just weren't really going as much from what the the accounts are of the thing. But um, it's it's a lot of different things. But really, it was official January twentieth, two thousand five. So over four years after the last guest was there, they finally announced it was going to close forever or never reopen. And I don't know if you guys remember hearing this, or you know, it was it was kind of. I don't know, not not news. I guess it was kind of like, yeah, everybody sort of knew that. Oh yeah, they've been sitting. been sitting for four years at that point. I mean, we know what happens in just a small period of time. You can, you know, things become unusable in just a matter of months. And four years of non-upkeep, it's the cost to bring it back to uh, any type of operating condition would be certainly cost prohibitive. Yeah, I feel and, like in some ways it's actually a miracle it managed to stay open as long as it did. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, Typhoon Lagoon and Blizzard Beach. I mean, those are just so just so big and offers so many different uh, attractions and, mm-hmm. well, and, and probably have a much larger capacity. And, and, I, and I think again we're getting to that point where you know as we talked a few episodes ago about where something goes from being dated to then becoming a classic it's something that's dated that maybe we should retire or or replace this versus if it hangs around long enough it becomes a quaint thing that people mm. like to go on and 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 still do uh, I mean, the issue with River Country, in the end, I mean, first you talk about the changing tastes. Little kids, it's a, and, and don't be the people that, well, my little kids never minded swimming <laughs> in the cold water. I, I understand if you, but... Majority uh, rules. Well, in, in general, when they're planning for their guests, the experience that they could provide at, at, uh, at Typhoon Lagoon and Blizzard Beach with uh, clear, chlorinated, heated water, Yep. Uh, and stuff that is up to current safety standards and, and current sanitary standards and everything. It, it just became, okay, well, how much money are we going to spend <laughs> to bring this place uh, up up to snuff? And in the end, is it worth investing that money for a water park that is very difficult for a day guest to get to? Uh, there was no convenient way to get there. You were either taking a boat uh, from, from one of the resorts on Bay Lake and Seven Seas Lagoon, uh, or you were taking a bus uh, to to Fort Wilderness, and then another bus to get to the back mm-hmm. of the resort where River Country was. Right. Uh, it, there just was no, you know. So when you're looking at all of that, we have a product here that has a shrinking base of people who are really interested uh, compared to our other two water parks, which were major investments for them. Um, and you know, the truth of it is, you get into. No- October, November, December, January, February, March. I mean, it's just starting to get warm in Florida again, like like the kind of warm where you're like, boy, I really want to jump in the pool. Um, so so they, they currently close one of the water parks at all times during the winter. Uh, yeah, so, they do. You know, the one closes while the other goes under refurbishment, and then when that one opens, they close the other one for refurbishment in the winter. So it just, it was excess capacity and location and age and the product. I mean, there was a lot of reasons why. And I mean, I, I, I today I wish I had experienced it or mm. could experience it. Um, and, you know, Brian, I think some people are going to say, well, you could have, you could have converted and chlorinated it. Well, let's just, I mean, think about that from a logistical standpoint. You already <laughs> carved out the water table, as we know, in that area is ridiculously low. So to carve that whole cove out, you know, seal it off, it's it, impossible. No, I shouldn't say impossible. Yeah, it would have been a very, not, I heard, at, very, at a, very difficult. Right. And at a time, you know, post uh, Euro Disney and, 
you know, when they were when they were scrimping on everything they could scrimp on and cheapening what they were the product that they were putting out, uh, looking for cost savings everywhere. It made no sense. I mean, if you're sitting there even before a board of directors saying, "Well, we got the Cadillac and the Rolls Royce over here from a from an operations <laughs> yeah. standpoint," yeah, and then we got the Dirty River, Lagoon, <laughs> and I've got an old Datsun back here that I want to put you know ten million dollars into. I say, you're not, "You're not doing that. That's crazy." And they, there was no uh, room to expand it either. Right. There's no, no place to go to make it bigger. Or... They always talk. I heard a story from a cast member. I don't know how true it is. They they floated that idea of chlorinating and putting a wall up between the two. But it was they, the, the person yeah. told me it was going to cost as much as Blizzard Beach itself to do that. Right. So because they they closed and you know they 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 when they were looking to do that, that's about when Blizzard Beach was opening in the mid '90s. So right. Um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting too. In the mid '90s, there was that time period, and you know, where all three water parks were open at once. So when you got a water park brochure, it was all three were in there, and that's just crazy to me that there was a time when they all existed. They had this was such a crazy promotion. I don't know if you remember this, the All American Water Party. Uh-huh. Did you guys ever hear this? Yep. Um, in 1997, it was April to September. Um, every day was the 4th of July and there's pictures out there of Goofy rolling into river country and full on like Uncle Sam garb and like the big hat like Apollo Creed the whole deal so um, I thought it was pretty cool to see that it's it was a like a almost three reference folks yeah uh, no Rocky, Rocky 1 oh what's the no uh, the Rocky 4 is the one where he came out uh, as Uncle Sam to fight the Russian and then the Russian killed him yeah, he came out against Rocky though too. That was the first. Sorry, we're decorating. Sorry, we're we're off to Rocky. <laughs> Welcome to the Rocky podcast. Yeah, but uh, so that was going on, and you know, going into the Goofy thing, you know, Goofy was always there, rolling down the slides and like full, like the full body suit, swim trunks, and Chip and Dale apparently would come over at times yeah, on horseback from Pluto Wilderness. going down with two two uh, two two ladies on the on the rep- <laughs> in the rapids. It's one of, of my favorite pictures. <laughs> Um, and I found this, and I don't know, once again, how true this is. If you look back, and I was telling you guys this earlier, there's the the Ice Gator at Blizzard Beach. There's the uh, Typhoon Lagoon Alligator. He's another one. There was this, this plan, apparently, to make a third gator a river gator, so there was a gator at every park as, the, as part as of the... As the iconic character at each water Yeah, park. I was like, that would have been... So, I wonder if there's, like, concept art floating around out there of the river country gator just, you know, shelved or something, but... Um, it's, it's to be seen if it was real or not. So, I mean, it, it's, and as you know, I mean, it's, as we talked about the closing, it's still there. It's, it's sitting there rotting away. And, you know, there's the, the people that explore that way and go into there. And what you can actually do, if you really want to get close to river country and actually even experience river country, if you're at Fort Wilderness, you go down there, um, on your right, you'll see a hut. This isn't going backstage or anything. This is completely legal. There's a hut there and that's the main ticket booth. After you cross that threshold of the hut there, which it's wide open, it's not breaking any rules, you can actually see the River Country bathroom, you can go walk up to the fence that's there, and that's where the backyard barbecues and all that stuff, but um, that's about as close as you're going to get without breaking a rule or doing anything, and they even took, there was a big River Country barrel up on top there, it looked like a, you know, it kind of dumped water and did different things, uh, they took that over to Fort Wilderness, the Meadows Pool, and that's now the showcase, like, slide at Fort Wilderness, it kind of, like, you go up to there and then you slide down a normal-looking water slide, um, around the River Country barrel, so, the only other future plans are 
different things I've heard. Just recently, we heard the whole thing, the upstream plunge pool was filled in, and we kind of, uh, you know, have randomly talked about that. That's because the Wilderness Lodge construction crews were over there, and it was just close by. And, uh, you know, the whole Zika rumor came out, but, I mean, they were just there, so I guess they assumed go fill it in. And then you hear uh, the different rumors that could be a DVC, a future resort, but nobody really knows. It's it's kind of just still sitting there. And I, you... I mean, they're going to develop the piece at some point, uh, but right now they're well, building yeah, that, yeah. that addition to Wilderness Lodge and the, and the, you know, the lakeside villas there and everything. And so once all that's done... The natural thing will be eventually to develop the space in between there and Fort Wilderness, and, and that's where River Country is. So it's going to happen eventually, because it's waterfront property that there's already utilities and everything running to. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just a matter of time. We and learned JT, something interesting. You go should ahead. have mentioned that the other way that you can see it is to go on the Lake and Lagoon tour. Because I was, that was getting there, the yeah. Boats. yeah. That's right. We, when we, we uh, did our tour, yeah, we rolled past uh, Fort Wilderness, Roy's Cabin, then we rolled past the Shoe Tree, and on the left uh, was River Country. We, Our boat got somewhat close. Um, you know, We did we t- started taking on water at some point there, but uh, we, we rolled by there, and you can see the... You can see the boom swing. You can see the uh, the zip line. It's all still hanging there. You just can see your cypress, uh, whatever nature boardwalk there. Yeah, that's, you get right up gone. to Bay, you can get right up to Bay Bridge and that yeah. uh, those baleen things that separate it. I mean, it's it's a it's so weird to look out and it's like it's right there. I just want to uh-huh. go there. It's it's right there. Uh huh. There was we always joked. My sister and we were like, "This just open it up for us campground people. That'd be great. Just make it the showcase pool for Fort Wilderness." <laughs> they could. I they, mean, it would really. Just... They really could. Brian, mm-hmm. you're, you you've worked in construction, and as you said, you know, people say, "Why why have they demolished it yet?" You know, and and the cost of demolition is yeah, extremely it's the expensive. Mo- it's the most to- expensive thing you can do in in construction is demolish and then haul away and. Uh, and the truth of it is, you know, unless it's a hazard to someone, and since there's no one back there, uh, you don't demolish something unless you have to, until it's time to. The same reason why half of Kitchen Cabaret is still sitting behind the bathrooms at Epcot in, in the land, because it didn't, they didn't have to demolish the other half of it It's to build Zorin. So, I mean, that's that's my whole recollection and what I experienced at the old swimming hole at River Country. Um, you know, it's it's definitely gone but not forgotten. So you can see it tomorrow if you really wanted to roll by there on a water sprite or on your uh, launch to the Magic Kingdom. But uh, it's definitely not coming back anytime soon, that's for sure. No, unfortunately, it's not. Well, JT, for someone like myself who never visited, you've painted a delightful picture <laughs> of a hoot and holler in good time. Yeah, absolutely. And a special thanks to to Les and Chuck for joining us. Uh, I know uh, we if if you were listening and you heard some seagulls in the background while while we were talking to Chuck, he was relaxing uh, on the, on the beach in Florida, and uh, we talked to Les over the weekend. Uh, so we really appreciate both of their times. Uh, uh, and uh, we're going to have um, both of them probably back on the show. We've got some interesting tidbits and stories to share in the future uh, from both of them. So uh, again, thanks to to Les and and Chuck for joining. Uh, all right, as oh, as we do every month, we always add something new uh, to our, our online store, which you can find at retrowdw.com forward slash support us. How, uh, JT, we're actually ahead of the game this this month. We've already posted uh, our, our shirt, uh, how you might be move, uh, working on another one. Um, I've already purchased four of these shirts for my upcoming trip in April. <laughs> it's so cool. Cladding out the entire family and one extra just to, just in case. 
Um, so how, why don't you tell what, what we have and uh, what else you might be working on? Well, as I said, the one thing I really wanted to do for my summer job was to be a lifeguard at River Country. So we made a uh, River Country lifeguard t-shirt. It looks, looks great as a shirt. You can get it as a tank. Uh, red. I or love whatever. the laptop case too. It looks like your first aid kit or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> sitting up on the chair. It's so we got terrific. we got some of the long sleeves, which are great. You know, you see the people on the, the, the lifeguards at night with the long sleeve red shirts as well. That or even even some in the sun wear them too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. Should we do? Should I, I think River Country is pretty popular. We should probably try to knock out a couple more for yeah for uh, for the fans. So. JT, well, I know uh, you've got some ideas. Uh, one with some rules and regulations might might. Uh, I would love the rules on a on a shirt, or even that. Like I said to that to that one, it said uh, "swim away from rocks" or something in that river country handwritten font, you know, on the wood. Yeah, so we'll we'll do a couple more. We'll we'll uh, we'll definitely do some uh, as the month goes on. That's right. So as always, you can find all of our shirts, as I said earlier, at retro RetroWDW.com forward slash support us. And you can find our pins at RetroWDW.com forward slash pins. All proceeds from any of the sales go directly back into the show, helping us preserve films, restoring them, getting them transferred, and putting getting the show out to you on a monthly basis. So we thank you, as always, for your support. Uh, and guys, with films, we, we can kind of mention, we, we mentioned uh, Mission to Mars earlier. We've got a fabulous... Uh, 16 millimeter film of Epcot coming up, and I don't think we're going to see that one until about October, right, Brian? We're going to yeah, October. October is a big birthday for Epcot Center, and we've got That's right. special things planned. Whenever Disney gets around to announcing what they're doing for Epcot's thirty, yeah, when they, exactly. If they'd like to tell us, because we've got some ideas of hosting another event down there, if possible. So, um, if if that works out, we'll we'll see what we can put together. Um, but uh, yeah, and. Uh, why don't we figure out where we're going next month, Brian? It's well, you wanted to lead a little bit, right? You it, want well. It's, it's been a while. It's, it's, since it's you my did an turn. Episode. It's my yeah. turn. Uh, so uh, we discussed a little bit before the show, and uh, we're we're making our way around Future World pretty good by while we're avoiding the uh, the, <laughs> the the two grand and miraculous options of Horizons and Imagination. Uh, but there's some uh, some bits of the land pavilion left that we haven't covered yet. So next month, we will be uh, visiting, we'll be boarding a boat uh, and listening to the land, the first uh, iteration of the boat attraction in the land pavilion, and uh, also taking a brief uh, look at Symbiosis, the original film that ran before uh, the Lion King environmental tale that runs now and has been running for many 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 years so you know, just a couple weeks i'll be doing the uh behind the seeds tour oh, so maybe yeah. i can get some uh information or anything well just to just sneak into the, the uh dilapidated remains of kitchen cabaret for us yeah and grab a I'll few shots and uh and we will also not neglect next year the uh or next month rather the uh the a visit to the market the farmer's market to the marketplace right where we'll talk about the handwich and make our own chocolate chip cookies and lots yep. of the other goodies that have been offered in the farmer's market over the years so and these are all the days before there were, when there was only one elevator yes yes so 
Well, as always, thanks to everybody for listening. We appreciate your feedback. So you can send us any questions and comments at podcast at retrowdw.com. And uh, we will see you next month. And until then, Brian, take us out. Follow Todd McCartney and Retro Disney World on Twitter and Instagram at RetroWDW. On Facebook at Retro Disney World. For all things Retro Disney World, including exclusive merchandise, visit us on the web at RetroWDW.com. On Twitter, you can find our producer, Jason Bartell from Deepwater Studios, at JasonDWS. Our announcer, Andre Gardner, at Andre Gardner. And follow our hosts, Hal Bowers, at GoAwayGreen. For JT Couser, at LS1JT. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook, at Brian P. Miles.